On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Well, good morning. It is, we are going back into our new series. I just started a new series last week called Cultivate. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at all the different ways that God has laid a foundation for us. There is a foundation here that God God has simply said, hey, listen, I'm doing something here. Uh, and it's not just here and now. It's, as we discovered last, last week, it's been 85 years 85 years, the Lord, 85 years ago, the Lord started something and said, hey, I want to do something in Santa Clarita. I'm going to plant this little congregation. Boop. And so we started in a little tiny chapel. I went over some of that history last week. But we're, we're just looking at our foundations. And, and, and as a congregation, how did we get here? And what are we supposed to be doing while we're here? What Pastor Jan was talking about even this morning. Listen, this, this is a, a contributor community. We, we, don't, we don't succeed, we don't sustain without us all playing a part, whether that's serving, you know, being in the parking lot, welcoming people, or again, as he had mentioned, financially giving. That's what makes it all happen, and so it's, we're just walking in through some of those things. If you have your app, open it up this morning, because i got some stuff I want to share with you. Uh, if you don't have the app, you can download it on Google Play or on the App Store. Get the app. It's where all the announcements are. It's where everything that's going on. If you want to know what's happening at the sanctuary, this is the way we're doing it. You're like, where's the bulletin? It's the app. Welcome to 2022. Okay, so, and by the way, hey, I took a picture of this. The app is, it's not just room for notes, I mean, just to fill in the blanks, but there's a section in your notes where you can just go, hey, this was important. Hey, I want to remember that this week. So there's a section where you can just kind of take notes and go, hey, I want that too. Uh, I want to remember this, or I want to remember something specific. Like, Pastor Marty's talking about this scripture, but what I heard when he was talking, I heard this thing over here, and I want to dig into that this week, because we're all reading our Bibles during the week too, right? And so, so it's this little, this little section that you can get, you can get back to later. So, uh, I decided to start this series uh, by reviewing our mission. Reviewing our mission, and, and, not, and I'm not talking about the great mission that is the mission of every Christian that comes with the great commandment, right? right? Uh, these are the greats, and you should be aware of the greats, right? You have the great commandment. That's, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then you have the great commission, which is now that you are loved, what are you going to do about it? Go. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything I've told you, teach them everything I've taught you. So these are the greats of Scripture, right? And this is where these things come from, worship and ministry, evangelism, fellowship. These are things that we're doing constantly. Um, Now, just again, we're all called, and this is your first note, you can fill this in this morning, we are all called to make a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. That's what we're doing. As believers, we hear Jesus go, oh, there is no greater commandment than this. Love God and love your neighbor. Ooh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay attention when Jesus says, this is the most important thing first. And then I really gotta pay attention when it's the last thing he says, hey, I'm about to leave, I'm out, ready? Go into all the world and make disciples. Those are two places we should be listening to Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, those are moments where we're like, I'm paying attention. 
So we're making a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. But I'm not talking about these these two things in this series right now. Uh, what I do want to do is I want to I look at how we walk out those greats. So, so I understand these are the greats. These are the things that Jesus laid out to us. Hey, I love you, love one another, right? And I need you to go do something about it. Yes. But what I want to look at is how we walk out those greats. And that is where a really good mission statement comes in. And see, it's not enough to say, you know what, I want to open a, a, a hamburger stand. I want to open a hamburger, fast food restaurant, a fast food hamburger place. Let, let's do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not enough. See, a good mission statement helps us to understand, well, what are, what are the specifics you're wanting to do with that? So watch this. Wendy's has a mission statement, right? We've all been to Wendy's, right? To deliver superior quality products, square hamburgers, right? And services for our customers and communities through leadership, innovation, and partnerships. That, that's, that's, this is what they're about. They say this is what Wendy's is about, right? McDonald's has a mission statement. Our mission is to make lots of hamburgers as fast as we can with cheese on them, right? right. Our mission is to, make, is to make French fries that are covered in some sort of drug addictive... Okay. Our mission is to make delicious, listen to this, feel-good moments for everybody. That, that's, this is what they say their mission is about, Right? Here's another one. Here's Chick-fil-A. Check this out. To be America's best quick service restaurant at winning and keeping customers. This is what they say. This is what we are about. Now, at the sanctuary, we, we have a mission statement. We have a mission statement, and it helps us focus on who and what God has called us to be and do in this season. And as a congregation, our, our mission functions kind of like a template. It's like we throw things again. And it goes, does, is this activity, is this thing that we're doing, does it serve the mission of what we're doing? Now, I'm sure, you know, that that direction that the Lord has given us, I'm, I'm sure that over the last 85 years since our congregation was started, that the leadership has been given numerous directions, I'm sure the leader said, hey, this is what the Lord is calling us to do as a congregation, right? Well, but this is what the Lord has called us to do today. This is our mission statement, so I want you to see it. We exist as a community to be a safe place for each person to grow in God's love and truth. This, this is what we're about. And so when we do something, we say, are, are we a safe place? Hey, are we growing? Are we a community? Is there love? Is there truth? These are the things that I, I look at these things and I go, Lord, this is what you've called us to do in this season. Now, I'm breaking this statement up for us in these first few weeks. I'm breaking it into three parts. Last week, I started with We Exist as a Community. I went over, I started by just telling our story, right? And it began in 1936 with a German immigrant farmer named, anyone? Anyone? Oh my, Otto Heinrich. Otto Heinrich. So remember that name. He's one of your ancestors, right? Uh, as our congregation, he did, that name didn't mean anything to me until I got here and realized I wouldn't be here if he wasn't here. And I realized he, he became one of my spiritual ancestors. Like, wow, I'm able to do what I do today because Otto Heinrich in 1937 built a small chapel. Well, after talking about some of our history last week, 
I got to talk about just the 34 years that I have had here in and with this community of people. What, what, is, what does that look like? And then, and then and by the way, how many were encouraged hearing about God's faithfulness last week? Did you hear about that last week? God's faithfulness, like, wow, look at the things he did. And by the way, if you missed it, go to YouTube, go to Facebook. Please hear about our history. How, how did we get here? How did we arrive here in Friendly Valley? Because this isn't where we started. We started up Sierra Highway, right? I want to start, uh, as I open up part two, to be a safe place for each person, right? We exist as a community to be a safe place for each person. And then next week, I want to unpack growing in God's love and truth. So I'm kind of breaking this, our mission statement up into three pieces. So this morning, I want to start with safe. What does that word mean to you when you hear the word safe? First thing that comes to mind for me is this little metal box that's at home that I keep precious documents and precious metals in, right? I have a safe at home. But it could mean different things to different people. So I pulled up the definition for us. This is right out of the dictionary, right? It's protected from or not exposed to danger or risk, not likely to be harmed or lost. It is cautious and unenterprising. Listen to that, to be safe. I'm playing it safe, right? And then, of course, my metal box that's at home, right? There, there's different things. Safe, safe means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And oftentimes, safe is connected. We associate it with our feelings about maybe an activity. I don't feel safe doing that, right? I, you know, I, I've had people who hang out with me going, I don't think we should be doing this right now. I'm like, I know, let's go do it anyway, right? It, I don't feel safe, right? Or that person doesn't make me feel safe, right? Activities and people, it's like, I don't feel safe around that person. That person makes me nervous. That person has me quaking, right? Well, today, that, that, that definition of safe has expanded to what's called safe spaces, right? Where we, we have these locations that are free of conflict and, and criticism or any potentially threatening feelings of, of just, just not being okay. Like that's an idea that makes me uncomfortable, a conversation I don't want to talk about. And so this is a safe space, right? Well, that is not what we're trying to achieve. Because let me be very clear. This world is filled with conflict. I don't care where you go. If you, the, only, the only way to stop conflict is to be dead, that, that's the way you don't get into conflict. There will always be conflict. And so a life, a full life, is going to be full of pain. That's, that's a guarantee. You're going you're to breathe. You're going you're gonna to feel pain. And the only alternative is to not live, right, or just to just pull back, to play it safe. But again, that's not what we're talking about. This, this idea of a safe place for each person comes from a concept in the Old Testament, it's a concept in the Old Testament where Israel inhabited the promised land. And this is where I'm really grateful for the maps. So if you've got some maps in the back of your Bible, just check these out. Here's the maps in the back of your Bible, right? You got, this one starts, the world of the patriarchs. So the first map is Job, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. This, this, this is where it's happening. Joseph goes to Egypt. That's the first map. And then you get to the second map and you go, oh, look, here's the, the journey from, e, from uh, Egypt into Israel, right? Okay, I get it, the Exodus journey. And then there's this double maps, which is the United Kingdom, and the divided kingdom, Israel was one at one point, and then they went, oh, we can't hang out together, and when they split up, and so there's this divided kingdom, and then they got another map, the, this is the big map, the, 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 all, all of Israel, so you can see where all the cities are located. But here, here's the thing, there were 48 cities that Israel inhabited when they took, when they took over this land. 
And when they took over this land, they put in, they, they established what were called cities of refuge. This is, a, this is a map of the cities of refuge in Israel. So again, the maps in, in the back of your Bible, you, you'll have these maps. And then there's these cities of refuge. And notice how the cities of refuge are strategically located. On either side of this great, these great bodies of water, this water, the Dead Sea, and then again, the Sea of Galilee up top, there's a river called the Jordan River. You hear about that. It's what connects the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. So on either side of this water are these cities of refuge. And the idea is that they were strategically placed so that if a person who's in trouble can within one day Make their way, no matter where they are, I can make my way to Bezer, I can make my way to Shechem, I can make my way to Hebron. Wherever I am in Israel, I can, in one day, I can make it into a city of refuge if I am in trouble. The idea actually carried over for you, uh, those who remember California history, right? Fourth grade, whoop, 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 right? The California missions that were planted all along the coast of California did the exact same thing. You can see where we are located in California. But starting in San Diego, boop, 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 all the way up to San Francisco, the missions were the same idea. You could walk to one, from one mission to another mission in less than a day. It was the same idea. In California, they said, we want cities of refuge. And so the Spanish started planting these missions all along the coast of California. There's your history lesson for today. Okay, the idea is that if people had, in, in these cities of refuge, the idea is if these people had accidentally killed someone, because that happened. We're not talking about someone who said, I hate you, and, you know, and they killed someone. No, this is an accident, right? They could find asylum in a city of refuge. So they would head for the city of refuge because the avenging family is coming after them going, hey, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. I'm going to take you out. You killed my... No, no, it was an accident. We were, we, were in the, we were in the field and we accidentally bumped over and the, and the cow kicked him and killed him. It was an accident. Well, they would go to these cities of refuge. So open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Come with me, would you please? Roger over here. Here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers chapter 35, Numbers 35, keep coming, we're over in the very beginning here, Numbers chapter 35, starting in verse 9, listen to the way the cities of refuge are described, Numbers chapter 35, starting in verse 9, I'm going to read through verse 15, watch this, the Lord says to Moses, hey, give these instructions to the people of Israel, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, I need you to designate cities of refuge to which people can flee if they've killed someone accidentally. These cities will be places of protection from the dead person's relatives who want to avenge the death. The slayer must not be put to death before being tried by the community. I need you to designate six cities of refuge for yourselves. Three on the east side of the Jordan and three on the west side. On the land, in the land of Canaan. These cities are for the protection of the Israelites, foreigners living among you, and traveling merchants. Anyone who accidentally kills someone can flee there for safety. And so God lays it out. Now, now again, I, I'm telling you that we're, we're patterning ourselves going, I want, I want to be a city of refuge. I feel like the Lord said, be a city of refuge. Now, clearly, we are not housing people who have committed capital crimes, right? <laughs> right? Uh, but, but in our context, we are called to stop. We're called to stop and think about who's around us and who can we walk with in their life's crisis. 
I have a video I want to show you. It's Our Calling. This video, that's the name of this video is Our Calling. And I believe it captures what safe means here at the sanctuary. So watch this.
That's us. That's us in this room. Every Sunday. That's us. You saw yourself. You've had the conversation with someone. That's us. We are choosing as a congregation to practice humility and servanthood by being with those who might be marginalized in a wider church culture. They may not feel like they fit in or they don't belong somewhere. They don't feel safe. Maybe it's previous wounds. Maybe it's disappointments. Maybe it's rejection. It's abandonment. Maybe they are beat up. They are bedraggled, right? The least, the last, the lost. Those who are willing to admit, I'm not okay and I got to do something about it. I've been, I've been in those congregations. When I go to a church anywhere here, I go, wow, this is a very clean place. These people have their lives together. I shouldn't be here. I feel intimidated walking in. I'm like, wow, I wish my life was this in order. In a word, we are messy. It's our congregation, it's messy. But we are committed to graciously walking out the mess. With you, with Jesus, we can can do it. The critical issue for our congregation is to create and maintain a culture of love and respect for each person as we gather in our community. And that requires intentionality. That requires, requires teaching limits. That requires teaching boundaries. And I'll tell you what, sometimes it's reparenting. Hey, hey, I, I realize that might be the way you were raised, but now we have a father who teaches us some another way. We belong to a new family, and this is the way our family functions. I real, my own family of origin, you got, you know, the peacemaker, and everybody's got a role, right? Well, this family, we, we function differently. Our father has set up our family in a very different way, and we treat one another these ways. The bottom line is we're trying to be before we do. We're not trying to be successful. We're trying to be faithful. I I gave up being successful a long time ago because the the definition of success changes for each person. But faithfulness, listen, that's, that's all he's asking. Be faithful. Here's something for you to fill in. We're gathering of wounded healers. We are a gathering of wounded healers. We're getting as many people as possible back out on the streets to live life. If you're not sick, you will be, or you were, right? If we're not in a trial, you either just got out of a trial or you're about to head into one, because that's life. So we are a gathering of wounded healers. See, we've all been somewhere, and we're all going somewhere, but for now, today, we're all here now so what do we do what do we do how can we be safe with those around us it starts by being people of the book i'm led by this thing it could just be pages but there's something divine something that god gave us a revelation of himself and 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 here i discover we're that we're biblical 
We are biblical. We're resolving our conflicts according to Matthew 18. You go directly to that person. We don't gossip because that's what it means to be biblical. We're biblical in our communication, right? According to James 1.19, be slow to speak and quick to listen. That's why we got two ears and one mouth. We are biblical in our interactions. Ephesians 4.15, we speak the truth in love. We do not separate one. Oh, I'm just going to bring you the truth. Or it's okay, love, 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 love. Don't worry about all that sin in your life. Love, 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 love. We have to have both because we're biblical. I'm going to unpack that next week more, but, but for today, I, I want you to look and see. I want you to see this. Open up to 2 Corinthians. Come with me. New Testament, way over here. Come on. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to see how and why we encourage one another. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. This is, this is what we're doing. Again, we're biblical. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Verse 4. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Listen to this now. He keeps going. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, yeah, even when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for our comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we'll certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we're suffering. We're biblical. We're people of the book. That's what it means to be safe. Now, let's get back to our mission here, right? Remember, we're here as a community. We exist as a community, right? We're gathering together to be a safe place. We just covered that. But then it's for each person, for each person. Any, any Chick-fil-A regulars here? Anybody enjoy Chick-fil-A? A few of you, maybe? No, not really, right? Chicken's just not my thing. Okay, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I just don't like water. I'm like, you will die. Well, I like water. I just prefer it in the form of coffee or soda. I'm like, that's not water, right? Okay, it just tastes funny. I'm like, it's water. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, Chick-fil-A regulars, right? What does an employee say to you when you say thank you? Isn't that weird? You, you, you know that. that. That's part of the mission from the very top. The whole my pleasure policy started when Truett Cathy, the founder of, of uh, Chick-fil-A, realized, and, and these are his words, and I, I wrote these down, we are not just in the chicken business, we're in the people business. So he, he, uh, we're not here just to sell chicken sandwiches, Right? And when you think about our mission statement, I want you to ask something. I want you to ask yourself something. What do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? We should be asking that question of ourselves when we wake up every morning and head for work. What do I want to be known for? Oh, that person, man, they get the work done. Oh, that person, you don't want to talk to them on the phone. They get really uptight. They're, they're much more uh, an in-person person. What do, what do I want to be known for in my interactions today, in my conversations today? What do I want to be known for? But for today, what do we want to be known for as a church? Now, obviously, we want to be known for the good news. 
We want to be known for people who we stand for Jesus. We want to be people of the book, right? Again, watch this. Romans, I'm just going over to the left from Corinthians if you're still there. So Romans, Romans chapter 10, watch this. I love this. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. He says this, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anybody tell them without being sent? This, this is what we're about. So, of course, this is what we want to be known for. And which, by the way, if you don't have one of these, I'm, I'm giving these out again because we are four. We are four. And these, these wristbands, they, Romans 10, 14, and 15 on one side, and for the one on the other. And it just reminds me, I'm in the grocery store, for the one. This is an opportunity. I've got to be for somebody. Gas station. I might be all by myself at my pump, but I'm looking around. Is there somebody I need to be for? It's just a reminder. I need this reminder like I need this reminder. <laughs> this reminder stays on my hand all the time. I keep this reminder on because I go, I got to remember what I'm doing here. It's easy to lose track of why we're here. Again, what do we want to be known for? Now, there's probably a lot of answers to that question. When, when, when I ask you that, what, what, as a church, what do we want to be known for? And each person would come up with something. But I'd like us to think about the answer to that question. Think about it in the perspective of someone who doesn't go to church. Think about it in the respect. What do we want to be known for, for people who have no context and no connection to going to church, attending church? And what would their answer be? What would their answer be knowing they don't know anything about the church? And you could fill this in. I think people are more familiar what the church is against than what the church is for. I think more people know, oh, oh the church, they're against this and against this and against this and against this and against this. I bet you people could come up with a whole list of things that the church is against before they came up with something that the church is for. And I think this is true for a lot of people. And so for me, it's no wonder that so many people don't attend church. Church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. Let me say it again. Church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. So I'm asking, what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be known for our programs? Do we want to be known for our buildings, for our preaching, for our worship? What do we want to be known for? Our answer is this. We are for Santa Clarita. Yes, I established we are about the good news, but we are for our neighbors, for our schools, for our businesses, for our adults, our students, our children. We are for people. And please write this down. We are for people because God is for people. Done. This is what we're trying to do. And so I'm breaking these up because our congregation after, after COVID has really come alive again, but a lot of new people that don't know what, this isn't, we're doing something specific here. The Lord's given us an assignment, and that is to be for people, because God is for people. Coming back to the Old Testament again, Deuteronomy chapter 7, listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 7, we are for people because God is for people. Chapter 7, verse 7 through 9. The Lord did not set his heart on you. The Lord did not choose you because you were more numerous than other nations because you're the smallest of all the nations. Verse eight, rather, 
It was simply that the Lord loves you. He was keeping an oath he had sworn to your ancestors. This is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery, from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He's the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and he lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. That's what we're doing here. We are for people because God is for people. My desire in these days in this series is to bring a little context for us. To kind of say, okay, then what is it we're about? So I'm hoping that you're hearing this is who we are and this is what we're about.